Hey friends, this is Kate, the founder of Loam, and I hope you and your loved ones are feeling resourced during these tumultuous and transformative times. This special episode is devoted to sharing the voices from the constellation of creatives whose essays and art fill up the pages of Weaving New Worlds. Weaving Earth Center for Relational Education provides nature-based education for action that can fluence of ecological, social, and personal systems change. For this issue, Weaving Earth contributed a gorgeous and immersive essay that both Kailea and I were awestruck by when we first read it that really digs deep into skills for the ideological migration. As Weaving Earth writes of their work as a whole, Weaving Earth joins a chorus of voices rising throughout time who know and imagine that humanity is capable of much more than destruction and division. Many people and communities already embody this and have for a long time. Responding to the complexity of our times requires ways of being, feeling, perceiving, and thinking that transform the dominant narratives that have enabled Western white supremacist cis-heteropatriarchal society to bring so many and so much to the tipping point. Education today must critically engage inherited stories of separation and domination, and at the same time responsibly collect a more profound human inheritance, stories of interrelationship, belonging, dignity, and respect. We believe this orientation supports the conditions for systems change so needed at this time. Any system, ecological, social, economic, or otherwise, is characterized not only by the elements within the system, but especially by the relationships between those elements. What of every challenge we face is, in essence, a crisis of relationship. Inspired by this questioning, Weaven Earth has focused on creating educational experiences aimed at remembering and strengthening our relationships to self, to community, and to the planet upon which we all depend. As educators, our guiding question is, how do we educate for a time? Relational education is our evolving response. Today, I am so happy to be joined by Associate Director Sam of Weaving Earth, as well as Executive Director Lauren, to really dig deep into relational education. Sam and Lauren, thank you so much for making the time today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So I'm wondering, before we dive in, if you both could share first a little bit about yourselves and the work that you do and who you are in the world. Definitely. So my full name is Samuel Gray Edmondson. um, And um, my lineage is primarily Northern European. So um, my people come from Scotland and Ireland, but also from Germany and France and England, and came to uh, North America, uh, the country that we now call the United States, um, quite early on in the colonial project. So my ancestors um, lived in Virginia um, and on the East Coast for many, many years, um, generations, and I now find myself living and working on the other side of the continent in Southern Pomo territory, which is um, what is called in settler culture, um, Sonoma County. And I think it's important to name my social locations um, as those really do inform how I see the world, how I was trained to see the world. And that's what this piece was about in some ways and what the work um, that we do at Weaving Earth is about. So I am white. Um, have been socialized as white. 
and I'm a cisgender man who is also heterosexual. And I come from a middle-class background, middle-class family. And um, all of those things, in addition to other aspects of who I am, uh, really do influence the way that I think and uh, perceive the world. And there are, of course, problematic elements to that. And I think Lauren and I and all of us at Weaving Earth are really committed to understanding what that means um, for anybody to live in a particular body at this time. Um, and what responsibilities those positions then ask of me in terms of making change in the world. My name is Lauren Brooke Dalbert Haig. My Hebrew name is Liba, which means heart. And I was named after my grandma. And I really like that name. I've been introducing myself more and more by that name as I've gotten older. I really feel like I'm here dedicated to all matters of the heart, which is a big ask and also um, continues to widen my heart's capacity each day. And my ancestors come from Russia um, and Sicily and a little bit of Scottish as well. And I grew up originally in uh, Lenape territory in what's now called New Jersey. And currently I'm living out um, near where Sam just referenced in Southern Como territory, also called Sonoma County. And I am also a white woman. I'm a white cis gender woman. Um, and I am in a heterosexual marriage and partnership, which also influences my orientation. And yeah, I feel really um, humbled by the intersections that exist in my body. And um, the responsibility that that asks of me in terms of really showing up for ecological and social and personal systems change within myself and in the communities that I am a part of. So thank you for the invitation to contribute to your beautiful publication and yeah, for this time in this interview. So one of the things that I really would love to hear from you both to provide context is what exactly relational education means to you? Yeah, I think there are so many ways to answer that, which is part of what um, relational education is, is it's, it's adaptive and responsive and it's, um, you know, specific to time and place. So I would say the foundation um, with which it's standing on and oriented by is, is, you know, we like to say if the wound is separation, then the medicine is relationship. So all of our curriculum is designed to acknowledge and critically engage what got us to the wound of separation, and then to breathe life into our relationships with a prayer for deeper intimacy and imagination of systems well beyond dominance. And we're aware that that is a very long arc work and a tall ask and also that it feels essential. So all of our programming is aimed at strengthening uh, relationships to self, to community, to planet, and it's and it's really relationally focused. So um, we strive to have the learning coming from, you know, all all in the educational container. So acknowledging the positional power that exists and also giving room for, you know, the hat 
of mentor and mentee to be consistently changing and and fluid or more fluid than it often has been in many of the educational settings that, that I've been a part of. So I love this idea of fluidity that you spoke to Lauren so much, and particularly because when I think about uh, this essay, it feels very fluid to me in that it kind of weaves in and out of different narrative frames. Like it brings together personal narrative as well as interview. There's a lot of different voices, but it all comes back and is grounded in these moments of encounter and connection with the more than human world. So I'm wondering, um, Sam, if you could speak to why you chose to structure this essay in the way you did and how you two work together, you know, in this process of collaborative storytelling. Yeah, thank you. Great question. Well, in terms of um, my approach to writing this piece, uh, when we were initially asked if we were interested in contributing something to Loam, we were excited. It felt like an immediate yes, the opportunity to tell a story um, or a collection of stories about the work that we do. And in particular, the work that we're doing in the adult immersion program felt like not only a really appropriate challenge, but also a wonderful opportunity to share what it is that we're doing. And um, from years and years of experience actually doing the work, I think we also know from a place of humility that it can be very difficult to describe what is happening there, um, which I don't say to be evasive, but just to acknowledge that the work is complex and subtle. Um, and so much of the understanding, I think, is below language or outside of language um, and really comes from the week in, week out experience of being together, um, the humans who participate in the program, which is about 30 or 35 individual souls per year. But then the communion is much larger, right? Because as a nature-based program, we are um, building relationship with the beings all around us. And there are hundreds, um, including the elements, the winds and the way that the weather changes and what the water is doing. So, so much of the evolution, I think, that happens um, for the participants, but also for those of us who are lucky enough to be teachers in that program, um, is happening in subtle ways um, and in complex ways that can be difficult to name. Um, and I just want to reiterate what Lauren said about um, and kind of harken back to your point about fluidity, um, that we, I, Lauren, may be teachers in the program, quote unquote, but um, we really understand through relational education that teachers are everywhere. And the role of teacher and learner is shifting constantly. And so our teachers include the more than human characters who we're in contact with. And within the program, the participants very often are the teachers, the guiders, the leaders um, within the education. And we are following and learning and growing. And that's part of what I think makes the program um, so dynamic and flexible and adaptable is that over the years, it does change. It's a malleable thing that gets shaped by the experiences that people have within it and, and the dreamings and the longings that they have for the education. So how do you tell a story about something as complex and um, that is so um, site-specific as that learning environment is? So one thought that I had was, well, I don't want to tell this as a linear story. 
um, you know, one linear story, um, the possibility of that being really dry and kind of academic, um, I think would just recapitulate what a lot of my academic education was, which was a smarter person standing in the front of the room, um, teaching out towards a group of students and the flow of information often being one way. And that wasn't, you know, the only kind of education that I received, thankfully, but a lot of it was that way. And our education is much less linear. It's very circular in terms of even how we gather um, in a room. It's always circle if, if we can achieve that. And I think the conversation um, and the flow of the year is kind of in cycles. So the article was meant to convey some degree of that through writing, which of course, you know, it has a beginning and an end. So there is a form there, but how could I bring in a feeling of the circle um, and a feeling of cycles? And one of the ways to do that is through storytelling that speaks to those cycles and those seasons and those changes. So I tried to weave in personal stories um, that ideally give the reader a felt sense of being outside in a place where um, the landscape is changing over time. And um, to have that interspersed with other parts of the storytelling. So that includes the experiences that um, the three We Immersion participants who we interviewed, um, Bronte, Desi, and Cliff, what they shared. It felt so important to have the voices of people who have participated in the program be um, the foundation, really, of the piece, because ultimately, I think participants can um, speak to their experience far better than we as the year-in, year-out educators can. Um, so having my personal experiences of being in nature in a way that tied into some kind of broader cultural, social, ecological understanding of what our work is attempting to do in terms of systems change with the experiences of the participants and then some kind of artistic approach too was my was my goal to create this kind of circular story out of those elements um, and i personally love words i think language is powerful um, both in the ways that it can limit our perceptions and understanding of the world um, the fact that I learned English as a child, and that is the primary language that I speak, literally shapes the way that I see the world and constrains it um, in some ways. And yet I still really appreciate language and the power of words. And so the theme of um, looking at particular words and defining them and having that be something that almost comes in as a poem um, with the rest of the storytelling components of the piece was a, a hope to create a multifaceted experience that would engage the reader on multiple levels and tell a complex story. And even though it comes to the a resolution at the end, I didn't want it to feel like the reader had started at point A and walked straight to point B, the last page. I, I wanted it to be a wander. I think the word wander is the perfect descriptor for what the experience of reading this essay is like, is that you really do feel 
in this place and on this journey. And I love what you said, Sam, about language, both how the work of weaving earth and relational education in some ways exists beyond language, but also the power of language. Because a lot of this piece, right, is offering, you know, you use different words and define them as verbs and noun to kind of shape the piece. Like we're moving in and out of these um, these definitions of of skills that are necessary for the ideological migration. So I really resonate with what you're sharing about working with language on all of these different levels, both honoring its limitations and acknowledging its power. And Lauren, I'd love to hear from you as what role you played in helping bring this piece into being, because although you're not, you know, the, um, the personal narrator, um, you were part of this collaborative process of storytelling. Yeah, thanks. I think that um, one of the things I love about collaborative storytelling is uh, the role of listening. And I feel like my role um, often in the org and especially in this process was just listening for the place where um, Sam's connection was really alive or ignited. And I think that um, in a way what we're doing is really listening to stories out of each other. And so I, I love the way that, that this article is put together. Um, I think that we are very influenced by our relationship to the birds. We focus a lot on birds and the language between the birds and how they ha- how much they have to teach us about what is happening in the ecology and how much they show how the truth of our interconnection and how connected everything is in the ecosystem and there's so much to learn from the birds and so I just really love the way that there's something about the way that um, you actually wrote the article Sam that it reminds me of um, birds taking flight and and kind of coming back in the same season a year later. And I just always wonder when I'm with the birds, like what has changed for you? Like what have you seen or noticed or learned or unlearned or grown into as you've migrated and then come back to this tree that I know that you visit on a yearly basis and just the fluidity of that. There's something about that movement and motion that I think really came through in the way that you put the article together. And I think that that's also applicable in terms of the the learning and the unlearning that that is being asked of of each of us in this time which I know is different depending on what social locations we we occupy but um it's I think it's a living question like the questions are living so when you were just talking Sam about not entering at point A and then exiting at point B I mean even the way that the article ends I have a sense that it's a dot, 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 and it continues and there's more. And what is it to live into some of those ideas and what else also wants to be added? Um, so I, I just, I felt like that curiosity really came through. Yeah. Lauren, this idea of living questions feels really powerful. And you speaking to the birds especially was so exciting because one of the things I loved about this essay was how it existed in relationship to others throughout Weaving New Worlds, particularly by Justine Epstein and Queer Nature, because 
their works also are about birds and also have a connection to to bird language and to the practice of listening. And so it was so beautiful to have these birds kind of darting between stories and is one of the experiences I'm most excited for readers to have is how through the lens of 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 this really immersive essay that you offer as well as how it exists in conversation with those by Justine and Queer Nature, we really get a sense of of being connected to our kin in this this new way. Yeah, I love hearing that. And that that makes sense because we are also in it. You know, we work closely with both Justine and Queer Nature. So we are um, definitely of the same orientation about what is it to really connect with the more than human kin. And one of the questions that we're asking at Weaving Earth that I that I believe they're also asking is um, what happens to our liberation work when we make it ecological and invite other beings to support us in our co-liberation work. And there's something really potent that can happen when we decenter the human narrative so that we can widen uh, and see ourselves as a part of the whole and then come back to the human story with, with more care. So, yeah, I feel really thankful for the allyship of the birds and the plants and the mushrooms and the stars and all they have to teach us. Thank you so much for sharing that, Lauren. And I want to thank you and Sam for taking the time to connect today and for sharing just a sliver of your story and the work that you do in the world. I hope this conversation will be one of many to come and I'm really excited for readers to get to interact with this essay because it it does invite you into relationship the experience of reading skills for the ideological migration um, is the start of a conversation and really grateful to you both for for holding space for this conversation to happen and I want to thank Isaac Silk and Faith Harding as well for intermusic, Isaac Silk for editing, and you all for listening. <laughs>